feel like it's kind of a prayer that follows on from everything we've said already this morning. It's Psalm 86, starting at verse 8. Among the gods there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvellous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. Amen. Let's just pray for Tony before he comes to speak. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you are indeed a great and marvellous God who has done great deeds. And Lord, we just pray for Tony that you will work through him mightily this morning, Lord. That you will stir us up and strengthen us for the new year, Lord. So that we will go out ahead as your family, as your warriors, Lord. So just speak through him, Lord, I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. You know, I've been a Christian for 30 years, and I heard something today, this morning, that I've never heard before. It's amazing. I heard someone say that they prayed to go to Newcastle. I've never heard anybody pray that. I've heard people pray to go to Hawaii, to, you know, to Australia, but never to Newcastle. The Lord bless you and keep you safe, brother, as you go up north. Neil will miss your smiling face. But we have an amazing God, don't we? You know, I, uh, I stayed up on New Year's Eve, um, not to see the new year in, but just to make sure the old year left. I don't know if that's how you felt as well about 2020, 2020 was a bit of a train wreck. But it hasn't stopped people beginning 2021 with a certain amount of optimism. There's something about a new year which gives people optimism. Makes them feel like it's a fresh start. And I've seen people and I've heard people continuing in the tradition of setting resolutions uh, for the new year. Now you hear all the usual stuff, you know, this year I'm going to lose weight, so I'm going to eat, eat less, drink less, I'm going to go to the gym, uh, I'm going to get debt free, all that kind of stuff. Maybe as Christians we might have found ourselves saying things like, I'm going to read my Bible more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to help more, I'm going to sin less, uh, these kind of things. But you may well be aware that the Bible says nothing about New Year's resolutions. Um, Apparently, just looking back into its history, you can find its origins way back in Babylon 3,000 years ago. Now that needn't worry us as, as Christians today, um, where the Bible speaks, uh, neither speaks uh, nor for or against something, uh, we have freedom. So we're free to make New Year resolutions if we so wish or just forget all about them. But why do people make New Year's resolutions? Well, People want a fresh start, a new beginning, a chance to get things right. The idea is a new year, a new me. And we've already heard today, haven't we, through Pastor Matthew, 
that Jesus offers us something new as well, new life. Perhaps we want to feel better, to look better, to be better, to do better. What about us here this morning and those of you tuning in through YouTube this morning? What about you? What if anything have you resolved to do this year? Well, this morning we're going to look at some verses from Psalm 86, a psalm of David, with the hope that we may heed David's advice and resolve to trust in God throughout 2021. Now, the title of this psalm is simply A Prayer of David. And this is what Charles Spurgeon said of this psalm. He said, There are four other psalms, each called by the name Tefillah, or prayer, but this deserves to be distinguished from the rest and known as the prayer of David. Even in the 90th psalm, even the 90th psalm is known as the prayer of Moses. This psalm savors of David, the man of sincerity, of ardor, of trials, of faults, and of great hearts, pleads, sobs, and trusts through all the verses of this psalm. When you look at David and you look at his life and you hear him through the Psalms pleading before God, he's just like us, isn't he? Great victories in his life and great failures in his life. And I want us to look at these verses this morning and pull some of David's heart from these verses that we might consider applying them to ourselves. But before we look at verses 8 to 13, the verses Alison read for us this morning, just want to give a little context So I'm going to briefly mention what he says in verses 1 to 7 of Psalm 86. Here we find David seeing things clearly. Something I'm not doing very well these days. I've I've brought my glasses up just in case I needed them today. My eyes are getting worse and worse. My font size on here is about a size 26, if you know how big that is. Just so I can see things. But David here... He's seeing things clearly. First of all, in verse 1, he has a right view of himself. He says in verse 1, Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. He has a right view of himself. He also has a right view of God. In verse 5, he says this, You, Lord, are forgiving and good. Abounding in love to all who call to you. So he's seeing God clearly. And finally, he has a right view of what he needs to do. So verses 2 through to 4, he says this. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. David saw himself as a sinner before a holy God, as should we. But David knew that the answer to this was to trust in God. In trusting in God, he would find mercy and forgiveness. Now notice here as well that he calls himself God's servants and in psalm 86 david calls god the hebrew word adonai seven times 
It's translated in our Bibles as Lord or Master. See, David sees God as his master and himself as the master's servant. Brothers and sisters, this morning I want to say, may we see clearly through these verses who we are and who God is. That we may seek to faithfully serve our master in 2021. Now I want us to consider three things from verses 8 to 13. Firstly, in verses 8 to 10, David speaks of an unparalleled God. An unparalleled God. He says this, Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. He says, among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. Now this may sound a little strange to our ears. Is David claiming that there are many gods? Well, God himself declares that there are not. In Isaiah 44 and verse 6, this is what God says. This is what the Lord says. Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. And David would have been very familiar with Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, which we know as the Shemai, which says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So David knows that there's only one true God. So who are these other gods of which he speaks. Well, the answer could be twofold. He could be referring to kings and judges, often referred to as gods with a small g. It would often act on God's behalf. Or he could have been referencing gods of other nations, foreign gods like Molech or Baal or Ashtaroth. Now, David makes the point that these so-called gods are nothing when compared to the one true God. He says, no deeds can compare with yours. And what I want to say this morning is, before we say amen to that, I want us to consider something. Do we also find ourselves trusting in someone or something other than that one true God? Let us briefly consider these other gods that David is speaking about. What about the kings and the judges? who have been, may have been called gods, who were acting on God's behalf. But they were not to replace the one who appointed them. A verse you may have heard many times quoted in 2020 um, from Christians is Romans 13 and verse 1, especially in light of all the government sort of restrictions and stuff. It says this, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. We are to be subject to those in authority, but they're not to replace the one true God. As much as we love Boris Johnson, maybe, as much as we love Boris Johnson, he's, he's not God. And neither is Keir Starmer, if you think he's the answer to Boris Johnson, or Donald Trump, or Joe Biden, or anybody else you can think of. These are appointed by God, and we are to be subject to the authorities. 
because they're established by God, but they're not God. They can help us, but whatever they do, however great the vaccine is that we found, their deeds cannot compare with God's. They are not God, and so we should not treat them as such. Our trust, says David, is to be in the unparalleled God, the one who does great wonders and great deeds. No one is like him. And likewise, we're not to trust foreign gods. That is, gods who don't even exist and are therefore powerless. One of my favorite Bible stories, especially to tell the kids, is the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. You know the episode where the prophets of Baal are shouting and screaming and slashing themselves and jumping up and down, trying to get Baal to act on their behalf. And Elijah stood on the sideline and just mocking them. And he's saying, why don't you shout a little bit louder? Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's gone to the toilet. The kids like that part. Maybe he's, he's not there. Shout louder. He's not going to do anything. And he doesn't do anything because he doesn't exist. And friends, we can find ourselves trusting in foreign gods. Not Molech or Baal or one of these other gods mentioned in the Bible. But we believe and trust in things that ultimately cannot help us. How often we find ourselves seeking comfort, peace, joy, meaning, purpose, health, prosperity and victory in things other than God. These foreign gods fool us into believing that they can make a difference in our lives. But they divide our hearts. They pull us away from the one true God. The one in whom we should trust. The only true God. It's the nations that chase after these foreign gods, worshipping them as if they can save, as if they can bring meaning, as if they can bring peace, but they cannot. David says in verse 9, All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. In saying this, David looks forward to a day when foreign gods will not be sought nor worshipped, Kings and judges will but not be thought of as gods. No, rather, the day is coming and will come when all nations will worship and give glory to the one true God. In verse 10, David says this, For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Our worship belongs to the unparalleled God. Our second point this morning can be found in verse 11. Here David speaks of an undivided heart. An undivided heart. Listen to his words. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Let us unpack what I would like to call this morning David's prayerful resolutions. Resolution number one, teach me your way, Lord. David is calling on God for help. He's seeking to live God's way in an ungodly world. He says, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Now, David may have done what we all do, really, is we've relied on others and other things 
And we found that others and other things often let us down. People can and will let us down, but God never lets us down. We can rely on his faithfulness. He always keeps his promises. David asked God to teach him his way. What a great resolution. Or that we would seek the same in this new year. Lord, teach me your way. How can we resolve to know more of God? Well, through his word. The more we read, pray over, study, listen to the word of God, the more we will walk in God's way and the more we shall come to know him and be able to rely on his faithfulness. To know God is to know his faithfulness. What about resolution number two? Give me an undivided heart. Why does David ask the Lord for an undivided heart? He says that I may fear your name. David, in asking for an undivided heart, knows that he just wants to worship God fully. What again, what a great resolution. Would we ask the same of God? Give me, Lord, an undivided heart. You see, one of the biggest problems for a Christian is to have a divided heart. Now, I got into a little bit of a bun fight on social media over Christmas. That doesn't happen very often. But uh, I just put something on there. I didn't think it was too controversial. But uh, some of my family members took issue with it, really. I just suggested that actually there are people who want to celebrate Christmas, to sing Christmas carols and receive Christmas presents, but they want nothing to do with the Christ to which Christmas refers. Christ to them is at best an add-on. I want to ask us that question this morning. Is Christ just an add-on to us? Is he just part of our divided hearts? What are the things, what are the things that divide and conquer our hearts? Well, here's just a, a, a small list of things that could be dividing our heart in these days. Maybe it's money. You know, Jesus warned that you cannot serve two masters. Can't serve both God and mammon. Many of us, part of our hearts devoted to money and gaining money and having money. Maybe to, power, to have power, to have status to be materially wealthy. Perhaps our career, trying to climb up that ladder, that's captured part of our heart. Perhaps, you know, it's our family that's captured part of our heart and we have to love our family, of course, but maybe we think more of our family than we do God. Maybe it's something not as important as family. Maybe it's just something like social media. We become addicted to our phones, to, to being on the internet. Perhaps we've got addicted to watching box, set, box sets or, or Netflix, playing computer games. Maybe it's sport. We can't do that sport. We're gutted that we can't go and watch our favorite football team at the moment. And that's captured part of our heart. Maybe it's this year we're just thinking about holidays and sunshine and getting away. And that's in our heart. Or maybe it's a host of other things. You see, our heart can be divided by all kinds of things. And God says, no, give me an undivided heart. David here says, Lord, give me an undivided heart. Friends, we shouldn't just have a place for Jesus. He is our all. 
We, don't have, we shouldn't have a divided heart, but a heart fully given to him. You see, David knows the danger of the heart. In Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and beyond cure, who can understand it? The heart is prone to idolize and worship many things. The heart is able to deceive us. It divides our affections. It leads us to be unfaithful to the one true God. So David here pleads with God, God, give me an undivided heart. A heart that puts you first. A heart that trusts in you alone, O Lord. Friends, is your heart divided? Does your heart belong to someone or something other than God? There may be a resolution for each of us this year, if that's us, is that we would say, God, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. What an interesting thing that David says there. Proverbs 1 and verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want to be wise, we need to fear God. David says, give me an undivided heart that I might fear you, O Lord. Should we fear God? Yes. You know, when you say that to people, well, we should fear God. You sometimes hear people say, Christians say, yeah, we should, but not in that way. What, what does that mean? Not in that way. We, we have a holy God and we're wretched sinners. We should fear God. But what does that mean? Here is something of a paradox. In fearing God, we need not fear God. Hear what I've just said there. In fearing God, we need not fear God. You see, it's when our heart is divided by things that we're not really fearing God. When our heart is undivided, when we give ourselves fully to God, when we acknowledge him as sovereign in our lives, when we know what it means to fear him, then there is no need to fear him. He's on our side. Mercy and grace flow from him. We can fully rely on his faithfulness and his mercy and his love. Oswald Chambers said this, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. After asking God to teach him his ways and to give him an undivided heart, David says, I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever friends let us resolve like David to have an undivided heart that we too may praise God with all our hearts and by doing so may glorify his name and finally verse 13 David speaks of an unmatched love an unmatched love he says this for great is your love toward me you have delivered me from the depths from the realm of the dead here we find David declaring God to be his saviour. And it could be uh, that there's a double meaning here. It could be speaking of what God has done in the past for him. It's true he's been delivered by God many times. But he may also be speaking of what God would do for him in the future. You see, in this sense, David points to the one to come. The Messiah, the saviour. The one who delivers us from the depths. Who saves us from depths. Uh, from death, the Lord Jesus himself, the one who came and died on the cross and rose again from the dead, conquering death 
And when we put our trust in him, we're secure. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, God loves us so much through the Lord Jesus. We have good news to share with people this year, don't we? And when we think of all that Jesus has done for us, how can our hearts be divided? How can we look to other things to give us meaning and purpose? How can we look to others to save us? There is only one who can save us. Friends, I, I've gone on a little bit too long, but I want to finish with this. What, is, what are your resolutions in, in 2021? Could we take something from what David is pleading here in Psalm 86 and make them our own resolutions this year? Would you consider asking God to teach you his ways? Would you consider asking God to give you an undivided heart? For he alone is the unparalleled God. He alone is the God of an unmatched love. And he alone is worthy of our worship. Now I just ask Lizzie to just put something on the screen for us. Uh, before I close today. You may sort of recognize this from the Methodist sort of New Year covenant, something John Wesley would have said. And I just want to leave that on there, just, just for 30 seconds or so, um, for you to read. And then I'm going to say it and ask you to say it with me. But I only want you to say it with me if you can really mean it. Because we say a lot of things and we sing a lot of things, don't we, that we don't really mean and as we begin a new year, God wants to give us a fresh start, a new start. He's a God of grace and mercy. God is a God of new life, wants to give us new life. And there are things in this covenant here which are, are quite something if we really mean them. But I want to give us a chance to respond this morning and to seek God afresh as we begin a new year. So I'm going to say them, and if you want to say it along with me, you can do. But please don't feel that you have to. Think about what you're saying. You know, one of the things that I found is we've not been able to sing in these days, as frustrating as that is, that it makes you think about the words a little bit more. Because you can't sing them. I have to read them and think about what they are. And you think, wow, that's pretty amazing what, I, what we sing. And it should be the same with this. Don't just say it mean it so I'm going to begin and then I'll pray and then we'll invite the band up for the final song if you want to join in please do I am no longer mine at my own but yours put me to what you will rank me with whom you will put me to doing put me to suffering let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. Amen.
Let me just pray. Father, thank you for a new year. Thank you, Lord, for being our Lord and our Savior, our Master. And Lord, forgive us for the times we've let you down. As uh, Pastor Matthew's already said, we've, even in these few days of the new year, we've already let you down in our words, thoughts, and deeds. But Lord, we don't want to. Lord, teach us your way. Help us to have an undivided heart that we might honor and worship you throughout this year. Lead us and guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.